Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RIA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome, everyone, to uh, this week's Finlet by EWA Podcast. I'm joined here by Ben Ruttenberg, um, our number one sports person on the EWA team. So excited to talk about the NIL, how the college athletic uh, landscape has changed. And most of our clients have big, um, you know, some big ties into, you know, call a lot of our clients like college athletics, follow college athletics. Some have, you know, uh, kids that have played college that they themselves played. And so it's it's just an interesting topic. So we want to address this head on because uh, a lot of our clients are going to have some people that affected or will be impacted by this. And also, um, in, in the future, I think there's going to be a lot of financial literacy and education that, that needs to occur. Uh, so, you know, students don't get themselves into big, you know, tax trouble or, or financial or money temperature troubles referred to. So excited to, to, to dig into this and see where it goes. But Ben, um, I know you naturally know a lot about this stuff, uh, you know, maybe because of the Ohio State loss, you've had extra time on your hands to, dig, to look at other teams. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so t- tell us about NIL, Ben. Well, first of all, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, I know you had put a five to 10 minute kind of stopgap for me to talk about sports and NIL. We are going to get into finances at this in this podcast, but I want to I think it's important for the viewer to understand what NIL is, why it exists and and the changes that have happened in college athletics over the last really 2 years. NIL was adopted in July of 2021 and it stands for name, image and likeness. And so this is essentially a policy that the NCAA adopted that allows student athletes the opportunity to benefit from their name, image, and likeness without having it jeopardize any of their NCAA eligibility. So essentially, players can earn profit from brand deals, sponsorships, they host their own camps, guest appearances, autograph signings, all of these things that players can now utilize and leverage to earn money they can do this now without having to impact their um, their eligibility. They can still they can still play in, in whatever sport they're playing. And so, why did this come into play? Why did this happen in 2021? Why did this shift happen? Well, really, the NCAA has been really it's turned into a, a billion dollar business between March Madness and TV contracts and the amount of money that is being wagered on these games. These these college Athletics and NCAA is really becoming a a money making machine, and we're not going to get into personal opinions too much on this podcast. But it was getting to a point where players were on scholarship; they were receiving funds from that for tuition, room and board, meals, things like that. But they were not profiting at the level in which the NCAA and, and all these companies were were, were making money. I, a couple, well, putting their lives at risk in some in some sports, some cases with concussions, or not putting their lives at, sometimes putting their lives at risk, but putting their uh, their fun, their health well being long term at risk. Exactly, and just a, a couple stories here that I think illustrate this point. Uh, one of them being from this is from a thirty for thirty documentary about the Fab Five, which is the Michigan basketball team in the early nineties that started five freshmen 
one of those freshmen was Chris Weber, who turned into a great NBA player and and and, and now is a commentator for NBA games. But when he was playing, he he told this story about how he would be walking down the street at Michigan. And he'd look into a bookstore and he'd see his jersey being sold. Again, number four, Michigan basketball, no name on the back, but it's clearly Chris, Chris Weber. It's being sold for $100 a jersey, $150 a jersey, whatever the, whatever the number is. And meanwhile, Chris is struggling to, to find money to put gas in his car and, and drive to and from class. So who's pocketing that $100, $150? It's clearly the school. It's clearly the NCAA and, and Chris isn't able to make money from his jersey being sold, his image, his likeness. So that would be an example of this policy changing where players can now receive a, a cut of that compensation mm-hmm. if the university, if the NCAA wants to market these players as as athletes, which they are. Um, I played golf with Chris Weber a couple of years ago. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. Well, there, there you go. Um, Another the basketball game is better than his golf game. His <laughs> golf game was good, but you know, as a tall guy, I know personally, it's it's uh, yeah, he he it swing looked good though. He, and he, I know he's working at his game, but uh, basketball player, unbelievable. That's awesome. Well, he he was a huge proponent of of you know, this was in the early '90s, and this didn't come into play until the 2020s. But that started these conversations, and and those five players really were. Um, really were, 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 were catalysts for a lot of the conversations we're having today. Um, another example would be just NCAA football and basketball games. So these stopped happening in the mid-2010s because Electronic Arts and the video game developers could not label players in the game because then they would have to pay them mm. because then that would then ruin their eligibility. And they were not, the players games. weren't allowed to receive the Players were not allowed to receive payments. funds, but if... If you bought an NCAA football game in the mid 20, 20, um, 2010s, I'm just using an example. Again, I'm an Ohio State guy. I'm going to use two Michigan players as an example. But Denard Robinson. At least you're you're acknowledging <laughs> greatness, Ben. You're acknowledging greatness of Michigan. That's uh, good. Denard Robinson, the old Michigan quarterback, was on the cover of NCAA football 14. And so if you bought that game and you turned it on and you said, I'm, I'm going to play as Michigan, their quarterback is number 16. He's six foot two. He's 200 pounds. He's got long hair. He looks exactly like Denard Robinson, but his name in the game is QB number 16. Because you can't actually say that's Denard Robinson without acknowledging them as athletes and therefore giving them a cut. So, again, video games are making money off the kids. The, the NCAA is making money off the kids. The TV contracts are making money off the kids. It's, again, we're not going to get into personal opinions, but with these changes now again players aren't being paid but they're able to earn money from their name image and name image and likeness which um i think is great for uh for the future of the sport yeah absolutely and i think it's also great to keep talent inside of college because a lot of people prefer college sport athletics over you know professional athletic nfl nba as examples and this will enable the college to still get the best talent, you know, potentially because some of the, the talent was skipping college just because of these issues and not being able to get paid and not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, personal question for you, Ben, yeah. uh, with the Ohio state, I'm, I'm not rubbing it. I'm just asking cause I'm curious. Um, you know, Ohio state's always has like a perfect record until the big game. And then they, you know, um, at the big house, I guess. So with the Ohio state, with the recent coach, we're not going to name names, you know, being under, 500 against top five teams it just you know 
you can Google that. How much NIL money do you think Ohio State needs to get the correct team in place to win these top five games? Wow, really, really putting me on the spot. Um, As Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, says, you know, it's, it cost a million dollars just to get a quarterback at this at this point. But I, and he's right. I mean, that's with his NIL stuff. So it, there's good start. There's good stuff about the athletes, but it's it's there's definitely some uh, paradoxes. Some because it's now you essentially have to buy the top talent. Yeah, and I, and to your point, I'll get back to your question in a second. But buying top talent doesn't necessarily equate to wins. There's a lot more in you know, building a, a team than just going out and like signing free agents, so, so to speak, in the transfer portal and with NIL. It's, it is still about building a culture and developing a team. And, and I, I think it's, it comes down to those top five games. You got to win the top five games, <laughs> like Michigan is an example of. Well, you know what? It, it's been a, it's, it has been a rough couple of years from that standpoint, but um, it's great to have the rivalry back because, as you may know, Ohio State absolutely destroyed Michigan for about 15 years. So it's good to have, good to have Michigan back in the rivalry. <laughs> all right. So. All right. I'm enough, enough, uh, busting enough busting here. Let's get back to the ready group schedule program. But, um, you held your cool there way too long. So I was wondering what was going on there, Ben, but all right. So, um, thanks for that. So the examples you gave here, so they can do guest appearances, they can do autograph signings, which, you know, some examples of that would be like, if you watch the Johnny Menziel, I don't know if I pronounced the name right. And oh, Netflix, yeah. He was doing that like illegally and he made, I think it was like Texas A&M. Was it a, like a billion? Like they built a new stadium. He beat Alabama. Like he beat Alabama. I know it's the team, but like um, it was crazy how much money he made not only for the NCAA, but also for that, that university. And he missed out on all this. Now he was, didn't miss out on all of it because he was doing it illegally. But now all the stuff he was doing in the documentary, he, you people can do now and get paid for it legally. That's a great example because he would do these autograph signings and all of these appearances and he would take cash because he wouldn't be able to track it. It's untraceable. So this would be a great podcast for 2013 Johnny Manziel to listen to because we're going to talk about how to manage NIL the right way. He had bags full of cash. <laughs> There's probably <laughs> ways to manage NIL the wrong way. Um, but yeah, great example because that now, if, if Johnny were in... Texas A&M in 2023, he could do all of this legally and report all this income and, and do it the right way, as opposed to the, uh, the 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 system in quotes that he he was he was using back in 2013. All right, so let's just say you someone gets paid from NIL. What like just give us like a basic rundown of what they need to do from like uh, a financial tax management perspective. Yeah, so NIL money, I, I would think of it like you are a business owner and any money that is paid to you from NIL is 1099 considered 1099 income so if you're an athlete you get NIL it is treated as if you are self-employed and any money that you receive comes from a form 1099 so if you earn more than $600 from that standpoint you need to file a schedule C to determine your taxable income there are a couple tax considerations we want to be aware of with 1099 income. Because you are your own employer, you are responsible for paying the employee and employer portions of Social Security tax, of Medicare tax, um, as well as obviously any federal, state, and local tax that applies. So we're going to go through a more detailed breakdown of what that would look like with your NIL money. But more importantly, it is important to know that, hey, this is 1099 income. Taxes aren't being withheld we need to be pl- we need to be very proactive in in what we're doing with this money just because someone has a 
million dollar NIL deal, Matt, doesn't mean that they're netting a million dollars and, and, and that's, it's all good. Yeah. And the, the dangerous thing about that is people that aren't used to having money, like any, I don't know about you. I've worked like a job that paid me, let's say like $10 an hour when I was in college. Then it was like necessity to get by. Um, but the, you know, that was W2 and so the taxes and everything were getting taken care of. But like, I can't imagine for someone that doesn't have the financial, which isn't trained in school, like you get the money and now no one tells you I give the pay tax on it. There's going to be a lot of stories I think that come out with the people go into tax debt without managing this properly. So I mean, in general, if you, regardless of the NIL, I mean, you're probably in general, you need to take 30 to 50% of that money and depending on how big it is that year and set it aside, it's going to go away to taxes no matter, you know, what. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that takes discipline because, you know, basically as a kid, you're, you get a hundred percent of the money, you see it, you feel it. And once you see it and feel it, it's like, you're kind of figuring out a way to spend it already. Um, especially in, you know, in college with your buddies and, um, but right away, I mean, our, we have clients that are, you know, million dollar income earners are 1099 that struggle putting that 40 or 50. So imagine you're a kid in school yeah. and you just got paid 50 grand or a million or whatever it is. It, it's a, just the fact that you have to give part of that back right away is, is a struggle. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know how that's communicated to the athletes when they receive the NIL funds. I don't know if they just get a 1099 and they think that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm netting this. I don't know how that's communicated their taxes, but we're going to run through the examples of taxes that you'd be subject to as 1099 income and, and, and make sure that people are, are doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. So the, like right off the bat, we recommend like you should probably have three accounts that it goes right into so you don't feel it and see it because your money temperature is a real thing. Just like if you like the room at 67 degrees, just like if it goes to 75, you're going to be uncut. You're going to go adjust or it goes down to 60. You're going to be freezing. Money feels the same way. So once you adjust that temperature, it's nearly impossible to, to adjust that. Like, so, you know, three accounts you should have one, it should be a account that you're going to spend some money out of. The second should be what you're going to save. And the third has got to be taxes and you can never see that, never feel it. So I would recommend right off the bat, like if you got an NIL check, you should, it should be direct deposited. It should be split between those three accounts right off the bat or 40% into taxes, maybe 20% into spending, depending on how big and the rest into, into savings. So you can really set yourself up well. Um, because this is earned income, so we'll talk about how you can fund for when you can set up your own four hundred one k Roth IRA, all that kind of stuff. So, um, okay, so NIL collectives. Before we get into some specific, what do you? What is this NIL collective subject you have here, Ben? Yeah, so this is just a way that players are being paid. Um, this is groups that are funded by alumni and supporters of a certain university, and they're the ones that can actually raise revenue and use funds to help create opportunities for these student athletes to help leverage their NIL in exchange for compensation. So these collective groups are forming. I mean, this is still very new. This is only a couple years in, but um, these groups are basically responsible for making sure that athletes are, are getting the funds and for collecting funds. So it's not just, Hey, some local restaurant is paying the star wide receiver from their bank account. You know, there are, they're essentially a middleman that helps, organize some of these NIL payments and make sure that the athletes receive them correctly. Gotcha. Um, okay. So let's go through some, and what, what is this thing you have here around the NIL income in multiple States jock tax? That looks funny to me, but what does that mean? Yeah, this is, this is probably more, uh, you know, 
relevant for professional athletes than than collegiate athletes, but it's something important to think about too. It's this is essentially any income tax that's levied against visitors to a state that earn money in that jurisdiction are have to file a state tax return in that state. So let's say you're a college athlete in Ohio and you get the majority of your NIL money in the state of Ohio, but you travel to Pennsylvania for appearances or you travel to Florida for camps or you travel to New York for an appearance fee. You may be subject to state income tax in those states that you earn NIL money in, even though it is not your state of residence. So this is this is known as the jock tax because professional athletes are subject to it. If you are a professional athlete in the city of Pittsburgh, but you travel all over the country for your games, you're essentially earning income in other states as well. So there's a, a portion of your of your check that goes to this. Um, and so if you're earning NIL, it's something to think about, hey, what states are you actually earning income in? Because you may need to file a state tax return in that state. Gotcha. Okay. That makes complete sense. All right. So let's talk about some specific, specific examples. So let's, let's talk about... Um, who made the most NIL money? Uh, Le- LeBron James. LeBron James. Jr. More than Shadur Sanders. Correct. Yeah, I think I think really? Bronny was at, in the six million dollar range. Um, Olivia Dunn, who is a gymnast at LSU, was very close. Um, and, uh, six million a gymnast. Yeah, it was like four or five, I think. And then um, Shadur Sanders. Shador Sanders was up there. Quinn Ewers, the quarterback at Texas, was up there. What did Shadur make? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I think it was in the in the three to four million dollar range. Travis Henry, his teammate. Three to four. Was so I went to a Colorado game before my hip surgery. Uh, they were playing Oregon State. And just the bling alone that those guys were wearing. <laughs> I mean, I would assume he's in the millions. Shadur is, and then apparently he's his parking tickets he gets for parking his Rolls Royce. He needs to be making millions to take care of those as well. So, um, anyways, that was a crazy environment. I mean, it's the tickets there were insane. It's like literally you're sitting on con- like a concrete. Anyways, they needed like a Johnny Menziel like update sure. to that the stadium. Yeah, it was a cool, <laughs> it was like a fun, cool, like people watching environment. Yeah. Um, Oregon State. I think they lost by one touchdown. Oregon State score. They did something stupid. Like the, before the first half time, they scored a touchdown. Like they turned they turned the ball over and then they scored like with yeah. 15 seconds left in the first half. So well, I'm excited to see Colorado move to the uh, the Big 12 and, uh, and, and and play from there. So I'm excited. They're moving to the Big 12? I don't know. I mean, you're, you know this. So full disclosure, Ben and I do some friendly bets, and I'd, I have to take him to a sushi dinner now because I, I bet that Colorado would have no more than four losses this year, which I didn't look at their schedule. I was like, because they beat TCU. We look, you know, he's like, they're going to crumble. And so anyways, I, I think I they correct. lost I was five, their last five games. So, yeah, so some, something like that. We it's plan hard that. to keep track, yeah. We got to plan that. There were a lot of losses, so it's hard to keep track of all of them, but... Yeah. Well, if you don't want the free dinner, then that's fine. I mean, you know, you know, I may be talking about Ohio State the whole time, so maybe you're avoiding me. I don't know. But, but anyway. this goes back to our point. They they have two of the highest eight players in NIL money, and they they went you know four and eight. You know, it's, it's, it's still about it's still about developing a culture in a team. Yeah, great players. They're help. doing a good job. Like, they turn and Travis around. are incredible players, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, you can't just college football is not a sport where you buy two players and you say, hey, yeah, you need a whole team. And in fact, that could hurt because if you have one amazing player, no, no one to surround himself, then yeah, totally. that could hurt too. So, all right, let's talk about the implications of this. So, um, let's start with the the crazy example. So, you're in two million dollars. Um, you're gonna owe several. So, let's say it's at Pennsylvania, 
you're at Penn State or Pitt or whatever, and you're in a, you are in a, I don't think there's an example of someone in Pennsylvania, but let's just say you're in Pennsylvania because we did the analysis already. You get a $2 million NIL deal in. Did you use 2024 tax brackets here? This is 2023. So this so is 2023. current year. Yeah. Okay. It's all, it's all very similar though. So you have it broken down in details. $2 million, assuming you don't do any financial planning, like 401ks, deductions, et cetera. The total is 45%. So I already figured this out. I readjusted the formula here. You're going to pay state taxes of 3.07%. Local taxes, let's say if you're a pit living in Oakland, 3%. You're going to pay Medicare taxes double because you're, you know, you're your own business. So you're on the employer and the employee side. So that's 2.9%. Social security tax, you're going to pay 6.2 times two, the employee and the employee side up to the, the, the social security wage base. So that's almost 20 grand. And then the big one's federal taxes because you're going to pay 10, 12, 37. So anyways, the total taxes you would pay will be almost $900,000 right off the bat. So if you get a $2 million check, 900,000 has got to get set aside. It's going to go to, to three ways. It's going to go to state, it's going to go to local, and it's going to go to federal. And federal, part of your federal, the Social Security and Medicare get totaled into that uh, that federal. And you should make quarterly estimates because if you don't make quarterly estimates, you're going to pay interest on that 900000 You're going to end up owing another like, you know, 50 or 60 grand interest if you just ignore this uh, throughout the year as well. So, so, so Matt, just, so I just want to, that's a really important point. I just want to clarify. So if you were this $2 million NIL athlete, which you are not. Just want to clarify that for the, for the viewers. But yeah, I had a hip injury, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you were and you just got that two million dollar check, you're immediately putting nine hundred thousand to the side, and then every quarter you're paying that quarterly estimate two twenty five two twenty five state, local, and federal. Most of that's federal to the IRS. So January every quarter to satisfy that payment. Yeah, which I'm really upset about because as a college student. You know, if I was Shadur, I'd want to say I could spend a hundred a month and I'd be just short of that. So I one point one million, that's like ninety two thousand or whatever it is a month, I'd be really upset. So I've tried to talk to you, Ben, and and save some taxes so I could have that bragging rights of spending a hundred thousand a month. So tell me what could I do to lower my so if we did everything that you put in here, mm-hmm. we could get that effective rate down to forty one percent. So we could essentially save eighty grand in taxes if we set up this 401k and cash balance plan. So what could I put into those? Yeah. So for 2024, you can put in $69,000 into a solo 401k. So if I'm under 50, what if I'm over 50 going back and playing? <laughs> well, then we got uh, other questions, but, um, and, and that's important because this is all through 1099 income. So if you, uh, this is not necessarily relevant for NIL athletes, but if you have earned income, that's W2, that can be completely separate from this 1099 NIL in- income. So you can create your own 401k with just your NIL income. You can fund $69,000 into that on an annual basis. And if that's a pre-tax contribution, that is $69,000 that you're essentially writing off of your, of your, of your earned income. Um, another thing you can do is you can set up what's called a cash balance pension plan. All contributions to a pension plan in this cash balance variety are pre-tax as well. It's actuarially determined and it's nice, based upon your age. It's based so, upon your yeah. age. So you probably couldn't put, we have a hundred in here. You couldn't put a hundred if you're 20 years old, but you could, um, you, you could put in a similar to a 401k amount. Correct. Um, and th- that you have, to, it has to have like a permanent, like a five year, it should be in place for five years. So like, you know, if you do that, 
and then you go pro like in a year later, there'll be some IRS eyes on that. So we have to be careful about that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in general, there's many ways. And then it's unknown whether you can set up like an S corp, you could save a ton of taxes and pay yourself a salary and avoid social security, Medicare taxes on the distributions versus your salary. But we've read a lot on this in preparation for this podcast. And and some places say you can do it some point. So ultimately it's up to NCAA guidelines, which are still evolving over time. I was gonna say, this is still living and breathing. This rule was rolled out in 2021 and it was kind of the wild west. It was players getting checks here, players getting funds from this company. And and it was, they're really trying to regulate this. And so I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a little bit more regulation in this space. So it's not essentially free agency, which is how it's acting right now. Um, and then real quick, I have to uh, point out, it's not that uh, So if someone, you did the analysis here on 100,000, and it's still 32.6% when you add state, local, Medicare, Social Security, and, and, and federal taxes all together. If you make 100 grand, 32,652 has to go to, assuming you do the standard deduction, don't itemize. So 33, a third of your money still has to go to taxes. So if you're Shador or Brawny, well, we didn't do the $6 million one, but the $2 million one, you made $4 million. So if you're a $2 million NIL deal, 45% is going away, 900000 of the $2 million. And even if you're a $100,000 NIL, which is, is more common. Sure. Um, we're 30, using drastic. I mean, we're, we're saying the top 10 athletes of the entire country. Uh, I would say uh, this mid to mid six figure. I mean, that, that would be a, that would be a very strong common, NIL deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and still you're 30, almost 33 grand. In, in the state of Pennsylvania, you would have to go out of your hundred, would have to go to taxes. So you have to be very careful because, you know, with a lot of these athletes, they have, and this isn't a book by Morgan Housel called Same as Ever, but like um, these athletes have like this invisible debt. It's called social debt because like most, a lot of these athletes came from rough, you know, backgrounds financially. And so their parents and their first, second, third, you know, nephew, like, they want to spread the wealth and they almost feel this like invisible pressure to spread the wealth. So, you know, make sure you know how much money you actually have. And then you have to be careful because you have to take care of yourself too. So I'd recommend, you know, generally if you have an NIL deal, like save a normal NIL deal, at least like a third, a third, a third, like spend a third, save a third, pay taxes on a third. And the bigger you get, like if you're a, if you're getting a two or $3 million, you're most likely like a professional prospect or you have like a parent that's, you're going to be a professional just because of like your parent, like Bronny, I think is, is, is definitely like NBA caliber, but still like, cause merely for his dad, like someone's going to draft him just so his dad will play with him in the last couple of years. Um, you, you should spend a large amount of this insurance. You should buy a part of his money, buy insurance for yourself. If you get injured during college, et cetera, you know, through like a Lloyd's of London type outfit, to, to make sure you're protecting your millions of future income. So there's a lot of responsibilities that come with money. And one of the, my favorite quotes is money doesn't change you, but it really magnifies who you are. And if you don't have the financial literacy training, the right influences in your life, or let alone the wrong influence in your life, this could go quickly. And you could not only NIL deals could make you go into drastic tax debt if it's not managed properly. Right. Um, and then everyone's going to be hitting you up for new business ideas and everything like that. So, and is this public information when people get NIL deals? Um, I, I the list of highest NIL deals was public information. I, I don't believe every NIL deal is is easily researched like that. Okay, that's scary because if I had a kid going to that got an NIL deal, I would say keep this private. Yeah, keep it private as possible. But Ben, thanks so much for the research and breakdown uh, of this. Super important, and hopefully, hopefully, this is helpful for the audience and. Um, 
you know, if anything, we recommend if, if you know of someone, make sure they consult with a good financial advisor, good tax, uh, you know, CPA preparer, um, and, and make sure as the rules evolve, there's lots of strategies such as setting up a LLC, S corporation, that you can do a lot of, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax savings um, as rules become more clearly yeah. uh, laid out in the future. I would say low hanging fruit for anyone that is earning an IL in these ballpark ranges, I would say number one, track every single expense that you have. Because again, this is self-employment income. So any expenses that you incur related to your NIL can be written off of your income. So if you are driving to an appearance fee, you can deduct mileage. If you are, if you have a business phone, if you have meals, you know, every, any, any expense that you incur related to your NIL can help reduce your income, which therefore reduces your tax liability. I would have a totally separate, like you said, NIL bank account and NIL credit card. Any any purchases that you make related to your NIL can be done on that on that card. And then from a tracking standpoint, it's super easy to just pull one statement and then write out everything that you have month to month for an annual annual check. Um, and then I'd create a monthly budget while paying myself first. So again, fund that solo 401k, fund that backdoor Roth IRA that we were talking about, and then obviously spend some, we're not saving every single dollar we make, but pay yourself first so that you have an allowance, so to speak, that you can comfortably spend knowing that you have taxes taken care of, knowing that you have your expenses tracked and knowing that you've put some away for the future. Yeah, take the stress off and say, you know, hire a financial advisor that can say, no, you can blame to us. And your friend's family, every set says, no, I've given up the decision-making as a, as a college athlete to focus on my career as a athlete or, you know, in college. And so it's an easy no, like, Hey, my, I, all those decision-making I've outsourced. And then that way, you, you know, you have the out, uh, when you get the hundreds of asks. So, right. well, Ben, thanks so much for preparing this and, uh, look forward to catching everyone next week on Finland by EWA. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button, uh, make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.